So, John, what one item in this in this apartment here would you be really upset if I pissed on? Or most upset, should we say? Well... Hopefully it's more than one item you'd be upset with, but... <laughs> There's nothing I'd be thrilled about, to be honest. Um, I feel like I'd prefer you didn't piss on the goldfish. I feel like they've done nothing to deserve that. No? No, and I've just cleaned them. So. <laughs> <laughs> also, so, they really tied the room together. <laughs> it's a good excuse as any. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. And John, you've organised the guest for us this week. I have. We are joined today by Mike Burson from Genuine Chit Chat, who is one of our generous Patreon supporters. So, hello Mike. Hello there. Nice to have you on. Thank you. So, Mike, you've picked uh, The Big Lebowski as your film this week. I did indeed. Tell us why. It's just one of those films where I actually, I rewatched it about a month or so mm-hmm. ago after not watching it for a few years when I watched it previously I was like this is, this is quite a cool movie and then I rewatched it and I was like it's actually in my opinion it's brilliant all the little details of it and it's quite a funny film and I thought when I was watching it I was thinking of all these films I'd love to be made out of it and then I started talking to you guys and it's like kind of worked that way well so you know why not why not indeed mm-hmm. uh, Harry have you seen that for this film before yeah I've seen it a few years ago and then obviously watched it again for this what did you think John Oh, I've seen this many times before, and I Have you? really, really like it. I think this film is fantastic. Yeah. It is. Oh, yes. <laughs> you, you've chosen well. <laughs> chose a good one. <laughs> I chose a good one, then. Fantastic. I mean, it's it's difficult to upset us if there's a film with Julianne Moore in it. True. We'll talk about her specifically, but man, she is doing a lot in this film, <laughs> as are many people. So, you know, it's it, it, it's a good film for this podcast. Yeah, and Coen Brothers as well. You know, they have some great films and some not so great films mm. as well. So this is more of the uh, one of the greater mm, certainly. ones. But yeah, to answer your question, I think this is a fantastic film. It's so, so funny. Unbelievably quotable. I think it's everything the Coen brothers do really well. Favourite quote? Oh, I mean, there's just so many. Almost every line is a mm. quote. I just think almost anything that comes out of Jeff Bridges' mouth is great. <laughs> but I do think that John Goodman just saying, shut up, mm. Donnie. After seeing that film, I was just saying that for weeks. <laughs> there is an early one, I think at the very beginning of the film, when the two kind of thugs break into the dude's flat and start pummeling him. And then one of them picks up a bowling ball and says, what the hell's this? And he goes, well, clearly you're not a golfer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's a great one. No, no, don't do that. Not on the rug, man. See? See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Your wife is Bunny. My, my what? My wife, Bunny, do you see a wedding ring on my finger? Does this place look like I'm fucking married? The toilet seat's up, man. The fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. Did we go around for favourite characters? Oh, it's so difficult to say. I think Walter for me, maybe. Mm. Walter, because he's just, he's always so stressed. He will always screw everything up. And never take responsibility. <laughs> and he's like 100% about everything. Like, immediately. It's like, completely casual, and then just within like half a second, it's immediately just up, ready to go. Yeah. Well, uh, I think... I don't know, because as you say, obviously all the characters are so brilliant, but 
I really, really like Jesus. It's just, he's so funny. <laughs> oh, Every yeah. moment he's yeah. in, I'm just laughing the whole time. It just cracks me up. <laughs> he is a creation. He is such a creation. Like. <laughs> Apparently, the um, when the Coen brothers made it, they were saying that they wrote, like, obviously a few story-driven lines specifically for narrative, but he actually just did a lot of like, improvising and just kind of made the whole character almost himself in a way. Really? Yeah, I, lo- I love it when you get almost more ad-libbed characters because they're always so much more funny. A lot of it felt a bit sort of ad-libbed and uh, as though it was just all improv. Because I'm looking at a few of the things like where there's, there's the dude and there's Walter just talking about something and then you've got um, Steve Buscemi just in the background. <laughs> he's just reacting to everything. <laughs> he's not doing it. If you just t- pick any scene that, he's in, that Steve Buscemi's in and just watch him, <laughs> only him... It's hilarious. He's doing nothing. <laughs> He's just sort of looking at people and doing the occasional expression on his face. But it's the most hilarious no, thing. I 100% agree. I do love a bit of Buscemi. He's just fantastic. Oh, yeah. And he's a real Coen Brothers kind of go-to. He's one, Him and John Goodman are actors who appear in a lot of Coen Brothers films. Always, always a standout. He's also in Fargo, fantastically. I think because they don't really cast... Generally speaking, they don't cast Hollywood types. Like, I mean, Jeff Bridges is... It's what do you, a big star. What do you, what do you mean by that? Normal looking people? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone, nobody in this, you know, this film could, if this film got made today, it might have like, I don't know, like Matt Damon and Chris Pratt and yeah. know, Jennifer Lawrence in it. Definitely 100% agree with you there. I think if this film was made today, someone would try and put someone like Matt Damon or something in it. But yeah, I just like that all the characters they do, they look, you've got people like John Goodman and Steve Buscemi and they all just look like people, but like it makes them even funnier because it makes them so... Well, that's kind of Steve Buscemi's thing. He just always looks like a regular guy, like he's not Hollywood hot. He looks like the living embodiment of an old cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Harsh. Harsh words for, the, for a firefighter. Am I wrong? No. The living embodiment of an old cigarette. That is such a specific... I, I think his face is almost like a goldfish because he's got quite poppy out eyes. I can just imagine him being like physical embodiment of something out of Finding Nemo or Shark Tale. Mm. I mean, he does a lot of voice work. Like, maybe he is in those films. I don't know. He could be. would surprise me. Um, what do you guys all think of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Oh. Because I forgot he was in this film. And the first thing you see of him, he's like quite far away. I was like, wait, is that Philip Seymour Hoffman? I'm like, oh God, it is, yes. <laughs> Looking the same as ever. <laughs> yeah, always a treat to see a bit of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Mm. I think he really nailed that kind of very specific, subservient, lackey kind of role. I like how he was playing it was a very sort of up, uptight butler, I guess. Yeah. Um, he was Smithers. He was basically Smithers to Lebowski's. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah. But you could see his character evolve over the film. Because mm. at the start, he, would, he was just sort of showing the dude around all these photos. And even though he wasn't paying attention, he was still getting thrown around. Mm. And uh, he's like, oh, no, don't touch that, don't touch that. Oh, that's fine. But uh, you know, laughing at every insulting thing the dude did. And then by the end, the dude walks in with Walter and thinks Seymour Hoffman's just like, dude, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> he loses the will to live as the film goes yeah. on. I mean, at this point, he's picking up he's picking up the clothes of uh, the, the wife who's just come back and is running around outside naked. Like, he has had enough. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's like almost just uh, the guy from... Uh, have you seen Falling Down? Yes, Michael Douglas. Yeah, yeah. That, almost, he's almost that kind of character where he's just being wound up almost tighter and tighter, just really slowly knocking away his sanity. His nervous laugh is one of my favourite things. Yeah. In this. He does <laughs> such a great nervous laugh. Especially this, the scene with Tara Reid, uh, Bunny Lebowski, where she says, like, I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. And he just does this, like, <laughs> horrendous nerve. And he's like, oh, isn't she delightful? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do love her around here. <laughs> Our guest has to be getting along, Mrs. Lebowski. Oh. 
Your bunny. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. Wonderful woman. We're all we're all very fond of her. Very free spirited. Brand can't watch though, or he has to pay a hundred. <laughs> That's marvelous. <laughs> Does Felicity Moore Hoffman wear a wig? I don't. It was a very severe side parting. <laughs> yeah, because. I mean, it, lo- it looks like his hair in most other films, mm. but is it a wig? Also, I can't get over in Mission Impossible 3 when Tom Cruise puts on the Philip Seymour Hoffman face and wig. <laughs> so I really can't see anything other than Tom Cruise underneath. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Yeah. His hair is it's almost got a personality of his own. You're watching it. You're just like, if you watch the film, you can just watch his hair and not have to think about anything else. That was one of the notes I made is that everyone in this film has great hair. Yes, they absolutely do. Mm. <laughs> Everyone's hair in this is is perfect all the way through. The physicality of the characters is perfect, like the way they look. Because mm. you've got uh, Walter with his kind of very severe army buzz cut and his very mm-hmm. like severe beard. And then you've got Steve Buscemi with his kind of... His curtains. His curtains, yeah. yeah. His 90s curtains. He's, he's a touch, <laughs> just a touch too old for. I've seen Jeff Bridges' hair is flawless throughout. Yeah. Despite whatever's going on in, in his current situation. <laughs> The glory of Julia Moore's hair as well. Absolutely. She, she, I mean, her Edna Mode, before Edna Mode kind of barb was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big fan of that. Yeah. What did you guys think of the three German thugs? The nihilists. The German yeah. nihilists. <laughs> well, one of them is Flea from uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So I, I remember seeing I recognised him. And then when the credits came up, I was like, wait a minute, I'm here. I always appreciate a good, very broad European accent. And oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in the American movie as well. We want some money, Lobotsky. Yeah, otherwise we kill the girl. Yeah, it seems you have forgotten our little deal, Lobotsky. You don't have the fucking girl, dipshit. We know you never did. We don't care. We still want the money, Lobotsky. We fuck you up. His girlfriend gave up her toll. She thought we'd been getting million dollars. It's not fair. Fair? Who's the fucking nihilist around here, you bunch of fucking crybabies? This film, like I think most classic cult films, despite everyone seemingly loving it today, it, it was a big flop at the time. It didn't get any Oscars, I'm, I'm just looking at it now. No, no. Oscars, no BAFTAs, no, no nominations of either. Well, it's because Fargo came out and I think it won Best Picture. It was certainly nominated for Best Picture. It got a lot of nominations. Uh, it won a few. Uh, so they were coming off, when this came out, they were coming off a big, big hit. And this film tanked like it got middling reviews and it didn't nobody went to see it but then over the years it's just become this real cult classic but i can't understand why people missed it at the time because it's so genius Mm. i think a lot of it might be sort of uh marketing obviously i wasn't i think it was 98 so i was was pretty damn young when i was uh, when that came out but like uh, fight club's quite a good example where a film I know Fight Club and Big Lebowski are two completely different films, but I don't know how you would make a trailer to make it look appealing, if you know what I mean. Like, some films, they come out, and, like, Big Lebowski would probably, the trailer, be a bit more comedy, and you'd go thinking, this is going to be hilarious. And you can, I think it's hilarious, but it's it's not the conventional sort of laugh-out-loud, slapsticky funny, you know? it's Maybe it's just kind of hard to sort of market. That's very true, yeah. I think it might have been hard to kind of pinpoint, because we haven't even talked about the plot yet, because and then there's no point going through it, because it's so... <laughs> It's both really complicated and also... Very simple. (laughs) Also very simple, but also it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, 100%. (laughs) This film is not about its plot. No. But I do like the fact that the plot is, if you look look at it, it is kind of structured like a classic kind of Hollywood mystery. 
like you've got your missing kidnapped girl and you've got the conspiracy theory and you've got this I guess Jeff Bridges is your detective you mm. know, <laughs> you're going to have a detective like, yeah <laughs> it does definitely kind of play into like film noir but if film if like all those old 40s and 50s noir films were populated by stoned middle-aged <laughs> paunchy hippies <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys think of the uh, the dream sequences? Oh, his acid flashbacks. Mm. I'm assuming that's what they were. To be fair, yes. I don't know why I said dream sequences. That yeah. makes a lot more sense. Well, because he says, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, some, some at one point, somebody said, I think Maud says to him, like, "What do you do for What do you do for leisure? What do you do for fun?" Mm. And he says, "Oh, you know, bowl, drink, the occasional acid flashback." <laughs> and that's all he's got. <laughs> Actually, when when she says that, when she says, what do you do for leisure? There's a a way that she says it, the delivery. There's a bit of a pause before she says leisure. I think she was going to say living. And then she just, oh, clearly it's not. Clearly you don't have a job. How is he making his money? No one knows. It's never clear. I I like that that's a mystery. Yeah. Because he drinks a lot. And he drinks fancy drinks. Or a fancy drink. Yeah, white Russians ain't cheap. No. Apparently, um, I've got a, a, an older brother who's like 17 years older than me, and he said when that film came out, obviously it was quite a, a, it wasn't, it didn't do that well, but a lot of people did watch it and love it. And he said for about a year or so, there were people who uh, thought they were really cool, just going into bars constantly ordering white Russians just to <laughs> seem like the dude. Which I just think that I can imagine just loads of people like almost uh, 90s hipsters going around ordering white Russians because they've heard of this, you know, the new Coen Brothers movie, and they're really edgy for watching it. it just cracks me up thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I was thinking actually. At the end, you know, when we get the the narration, uh, mm. what's the guy called again? Oh, Sam Elias is the actor. I keep thinking Sam Neill, it's a different guy. Um, <laughs> they both rock a cowboy hat though. Yeah, they different. do. <laughs> yeah, so Sam Elias doing this narration. He's saying like, "Well, I know that I'll be sleeping happy tonight, knowing that the dude somewhere in the world is very comfortable and just getting by just all right." Mm. And I'm like, "Well, I'm not happy with that. Like, I work hard for my money and to <laughs> and to relax. What does he do? It's not fair." <laughs> My God, that is such a conservative reaction to this film. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean if it, if it, these if it helps, bloody dudes coming over here, stealing our jobs, <laughs> stealing our children. Yeah. I, I, I did almost say, like, I pay my taxes. And then oh I thought, oh, God. actually, no, I don't actually earn that much. So, uh, <laughs> okay. Is that really what you got out of this film, that the dude is sucking off your, um, your well, welfare? Like, well, where does he get his money from? The dude abides. The dude abides. Like, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just jealous of the dude's chill. It's just, yeah. it's you think? I mean, I've got to say, the, there were a couple of scenes when I looked at the dude and I was like, eh, he looks a bit like Harry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, I, could. <laughs> I can see you in 20 years. You know? <laughs> but yeah, speaking of uh, Sam Elliott, though, because uh, I, I did like how the film opens with this long rambling monologue yeah. that just doesn't add anything at all. Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> the film could totally just open with the dude in the supermarket or whatever, yeah. or even the dude at home. But it just it just goes on and on and on, and it's like it's so funny because it, it's completely meaningless. Mm-hmm. It even trails off halfway through, and he's like, I kind of forgot what I was talking about there. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I like what at the end he does. He, he starts to go off in one, and then he stops himself like, oh, look at me, I'm rambling again. Yeah the same at the end like he just he kind of bookends the film and he's got a little mm. bit in the middle doesn't he yeah, he just yeah pops up every now and again i enjoy with that a great moustache with his fabulous moustache mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> a little bit uh, of sam elliott well what characters have we not discussed we haven't really talked about the dude that much i mean we have we've danced around him but mm. in terms of the performance like yeah i'd say that it's uh standard jeff bridges 
Um, it's a man at the end of every sentence. <laughs> I would say it's like the quintessential Jeff Bridges. Like, yeah. it's, it's his ultimate... It's the role he was born to play. Yeah. Like, there's a... Yeah, I'd agree with that. Apparently, when he was offered the script, he called the Coen brothers up and said, did you guys hang out with me in, in college? Because <laughs> this character is me. Like, oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love the dude. I think, obviously, he's just so chill about everything. And one of the kind of... Mm. The, I think one of the beautiful things about this film is, like, for Walter and the dude, who are basically two complete polar opposites, the dude is just kind of trying to be chill about it all, and the Walter's trying to be all intense about it. And they kind of do both, and they kind of sort of both write in a way. I mean, Walter's write about a lot of the random conspiracy things, like, it's definitely not her toe. And you're like, what? And then it actually is, and it's just like, oh. Mm. But with, with the dude, it's just like, he's so chill about everything. And it's like every scene he's in. And then the only time he gets agitated is when someone kind of ruffles his feathers. And then after that, he's just generally just chill again. He just, he seems to let everything kind of run off his back. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, like, even then, it, it, when someone ruffles his feathers, he's still pretty chill. Like, there's a bit where he's in the bath. And then people just invade his house, and he's like, "Excuse me, it's, like, it's, it's my house." And, like he doesn't seem bothered until there's a ferret actually attacking his balls. Oh my god, that scene! I every time that I, sh- I see that scene, and I've seen this film multiple times, I scream and with laughter. It is one of the most ridiculously funny things I've ever seen in my life. I don't think I've seen anything like that. Yeah, so just have uh, some chill dude in a bath. People invade his home. He still stays in the bath while watching yeah. them get closer to him with a ferret, essentially. And then, just let it, then it's like, what are they going to do with this ferret? And the dude is just so chill. It's like, I don't know. I guess I'll find out when they get here. And they're just like... Did they know that he was in the bath? Like, why did they bring the ferret? Well, maybe they would have just pinned him down. I don't know. <laughs> and done what? Just like put a ferret on him. What's the ferret going to do then? It panics when it's in water. I get that. but Maybe they spray maybe it with gonna... water. Throw it maybe, on him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe they were just walking the ferret generally, and they thought, you know, while we're here, let's you know make, make use of the resources we have. <laughs> I have seen people walk ferrets before, so that's not that weird. No, I mean, yeah, there's a guy who walks around Leeds with a ferret on a lead all the time. It's very strange. But yeah, I, I do think it's a fantastic performance, and it feels a lot like he's in a different movie to everybody else, but in a good way. Mm. What, when it really struck me was whenever he was with... The old Lebowski, the big Lebowski, I guess, um, the millionaire Lebowski, because he's like obviously off in his own version of Citizen Kane in his head or something. Mm. The scene that I really love is when he's just sat by the fire Mm -hmm. and he's giving this whole dramatic monologue about Bunny and how he's lost his wife and all this stuff. And the dude's just kind of sat to one side like, do I ever get stoned? And he's just just like basically just lighting up and... (laughs) Sorry, I was going to say it's like when they're in the uh, when they're in the, the I think it's the limo you know and they're just talking and the dude just like starts to go off on a rant and then it's just it doesn't really make any coherent sense and they're just waiting for him to finish and then they just both then they look at him and go what the hell did you just say <laughs> yeah well, that's the other thing the dude is great at just winging it mm. <laughs> I love all the scenes of him just kind of trying to just make it seem like he knows what's going on even though he actually has no idea mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like the rest of us yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's very true to life. And also, another little detail. Well, a couple of my favourite little details. One, I love the scene where he's listening to bowling noises to relax. Yes. Yeah, that was brilliant. That cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And also, I like the little detail that he does it. There's a scene early on where his landlord asks him to come and see his dance recital, which sounds weird and awful. But then, like, an hour later into the movie, he's there. He turns up. He goes to watch <laughs> yeah. it. He's a good friend. He's loyal. <laughs> Doesn't pay his rent on time, though. Well, yes, but, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's where he gets his money from. That's not where he gets his money from. That's where he yeah. ha- can he's, afford things. He's just so charismatic, he just drifts through life. He just doesn't pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bum. God. 
Harry, this, this, is, really, this is really exposing your reactionary enough side. Enough dude slating. Yeah. <laughs> Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Wait, wait let, me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Uh, Are you employed, sir? Employed? <laughs> you don't go out looking for a job dressed like that, do you? On a weekday? Is this a... What day is this? I think we do need to talk about the fight scene a little bit. Okay. That's uh, at the end. Th- at the end of the film, yeah. yeah. It is another oh, yeah. big, big highlight. <laughs> what, 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 was, what did you like about it? I was going to say that my thing, why the end especially, is because obviously the whole time of the film, you're kind of you're watching Walter, and you're like, he's just all big talk and all this sort of stuff, and he's like, and he keeps going on about Nam and things like that, and you're just like, I was, I think I was at a point, and I was like, is he? Is it going to be like this whole thing? Be big, a lie about it, or is it going to be this thing that he's just a wuss? And then he just fucks them all up, because <laughs> out of nowhere, and it's just like, what the? F-? Also, you're not nowhere because the whole film is basically telling you, no, this guy's a psycho. But mm. I don't know about you guys, but I just kind of assumed the whole time I was like, no, he's just, he's kind of over. Um, he's all speak. peacocking. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, mm. his bark's worse than his bite. Yeah, mm. Mm. but clearly not because then he rips that guy's ear off of his bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's brutal. He, pro- he probably kills Flea. Oh, yeah. Flea has, oh, yeah. has yeah. massive internal bruising at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, they just set fire to dude's car. So it is like, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they did put a ferret in the bath of the dude. I mean, imagine what it would be like the other way around. Like, I-, I would like to see almost like an alternate reality and just have like Walter just be the one who's getting attacked and stuff by uh, all these uh, German <laughs> oh, nihilists. And they just attack him once in his, in his house. They break into his house. He just shoots all three of them. Roll credits. Yeah, that'd be a very short film. Yes, yeah. Walter can handle himself. I'd like to see Walter's house. Yeah, I would. I would yeah. like to see a bit of Walter's life. Yeah, because mm. there's also the scene. Well, there's a couple of scenes where he goes from like zero to sixty. There's a scene where he pulls the gun on that guy who wants to change the score. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And then there's also and then there's the scene with the little kid who's stolen the car when he just goes full, like he does a full John Cleese on the car. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're just smashing it up constantly, and then just that guy smashing comes it out. to pieces. Yeah, and then it's like it's not even that kid's car. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the kids watch him just completely straight faced, just totally impassive. Yeah. Here you go, Larry. You see what happens? You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens? This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, Larry. This is what happens, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the air? This is what happens. You see what happens, Larry? You see what happens, Larry? Do you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass? But then after the fight scene, of course, um, poor, poor Donnie. He, he passes away. We, yeah. we lose Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so, unexpected. The film just suddenly turned a little bit, but I guess that's kind of... The film is... It's quite unexpected in a weird way. Mm. Like double I love, bluffs almost. Yeah. I do love the scene when Walter's trying to dispose of his ashes over the cliff. Yeah, that's very <laughs> memorable. It just goes all over the dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just has a eulogy it's, and it just goes off on one about the Vietnam War. <laughs> but it's something the Coen brothers do really well, I think, because it's it's ridiculous and it's really funny. And then it takes a turn. It's actually kind of quite poignant because then the dude gets really upset. He gets really mad at Walter because Walter's like, just he makes, makes a hash of everything. And then they have this little moment of connection and they both cry a bit and they hug it out. And then it's like, fuck it, let's go bowling. And mm. it's, it was nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, yeah. 
I mean, they could have paid for an urn. They could have, yes. Yeah, a, a, a coffee cup or whatever that was was a little bitter. But that is Donnie. <laughs> yeah. Underdog yeah. to the end. Well, when I was a bit younger and I watched that film, it kind of made me think that I like bowling a lot more than I do. <laughs> I watched oh, it and I was like, yeah, I really want to go bowling, yeah. And then you go bowling, it's like, mm, it's not actually that great. It's a lot of waiting yeah. around and I've yeah. tried to bowl and be terrible at it. And it's like, I sl- after playing like two games, I'm like the last couple of bowls, I'm like, Actually, I remember now. I can actually get quite good, and then I don't play for six months, and I'm just terrible. <laughs> I have determined the ideal length of a bowling session, and it is one and a half games. <laughs> one and a okay. half. Because after one game of bowling, you're like, "Oh, I want to bowl some more. I'm getting into it." But by the end of two games of bowling, you're like, "I never want to bowl again. I'm so bored of this shit." One and a half games of yeah. bowling is the ideal length of bowling for me. Fucking dog has fucking papers over the line. Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Mark at eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Mark at zero. Next frame. Bullshit, Walter. Mark at eight, dude. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. Hey, Walter, come on. It's just... Hey, man, it's Smokey. So his toe slipped over a little, you know? It's just a game, man. This is a league game. This determines who enters the next round robin. Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't... Am I wrong? Yeah, but I wasn't over. Give me the marker, dude. I'm marking an eight. Smoking, my friend. You're entering a world of pain. Walter, man. You mark that frame in eight, you're entering a world of pain. Just one last character that I don't think we've... Well, we didn't talk about Bunny Lebowski, but there's not much to it, really. It's, no. It's a tar read. Uh, but we also no. didn't talk about Maud Lebowski's friend, played by... He's a one-scene character. David Fulis. David Fulis, yeah. Oh, dear. Doing an amazing what? Scouse accent. What was he doing? <laughs> what was he there doing? <laughs> Very, very strange. He felt like uh, Buster Bluth from uh, Arrested, Arrested Development. Development yeah. <laughs> um, yes, but yes. kind of a confident version. Yeah, with a Scouse accent. Yeah, I love the specificity of all the accents in the world to do a Scouse accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah I got no idea what he's doing either. And you're just watching the scene, you're just like, oh, he's gonna do something really major, and then it just kind of he's not. So okay, maybe he's gonna. And just the whole time, it's a bit like I, I don't know. I, mean, I actually half forgot about him to be honest. He doesn't even get up. No, he's, he's just sitting down for the whole film. It's like he was just on set that day. He was filming something else. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, do you want to just come and do something? We've got a space in the room. We just kind of feel like we should have someone there or something there. Do you want to just come along? So yeah, sure. I'll just mm. <laughs> sit on the sofa, have a couple of lines, and that'd be it. I would love if I was some kind of time traveller to be on the set of that film and just go up to him when he's filming that scene and be like, in 20 years' time, you're going to play Ares, the god of war, and it's going to be the weirdest thing because you're going to be completely miscast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But speaking of, I mean, just to clarify a scene that the dude definitely gets a hand job off that doctor, right? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, he does. (laughs) I only picked up on that this time, that like he meets that doctor and the doctor's like, pull your pants down and it just smash cuts to the dude just kind of like whistling to himself. (laughs) I just got a happy ending. (laughs) I don't think I picked up on that. I must have to watch it again for like another time. Well, I mean... Well, the doctor was just testing him, you know, just mm. to make sure, like, oh, is he a good father? Well, you know, I need, I need a sample, so can, um, I'll, I'll take a sample off you, um, mm. if that's all right. If you drop your pants, and I'll, I'll get to it. Yeah, because it, it's a running joke. Because Maud, Julian Moore tells him to go to the doctor. He's, please go to the doctor. He's, he's very thorough. And then he goes to the doctor, and the doctor says, "Pull down your pants." Then we cut to him driving down the road, just whistling a happy tune to himself. He's happy as Larry. And then later on, when Maud tells the dude that she wants to have the baby he's like oh so that's why the doctor she goes yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh of course could you slide your shorts down mr lebowski please hmm no no man she hit me right here 
I understand. Could you slide your shorts down, please? Should we get to the drinking games? Yeah, sure. So uh, my first one is drink whenever somebody, whenever, uh, what's it, what, sorry, what's his name again? Win- Winston? Win- Which uh, character? Walter. Um, Walter. Drink whenever Walter says, shut the fuck up, Danny. Donny. Oh, shut yeah. the fuck up, Donny. You got there at the end, Harry. I did, I did. That was right? laboured. Yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we do <laughs> the whole thing again? Or Go on, say it again, say it again. So drink whenever Walter says, drink further line. What's wrong I'm, with you? I don't know. Okay, I'm drunk. Um, <laughs> you know what, Harry? You're out of your elements. <laughs> oh, oh, you got me. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. Shut up, Harry. You're out of your elements. <laughs> uh, Mike, have you got any? I think one is uh, when Walter says, am I wrong? It's just yeah. Like, but I would have to be like times that he kind of says that because if he, it was like take a swig every time he says that because once he said it once he just goes on and on and on and on and on so uh, that, that was one of them and um, I like how the, dude... the, the answer is always yes as well yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. always wrong but the irony is that he's actually kind of not isn't he because that's the whole thing of the film where it's like the whole time he keeps saying oh no they're definitely not doing this and you're just saying no Walter you're a crazy conspiracy theorist but then it's actually all kind of does make sense and he's kind of just being right about it a lot of the time. Yeah, because like whenever he's saying, am I wrong? No one actually has evidence to say, well, yeah, you are wrong at that point. And all I can say is just like, well, I don't know. True, yeah. Mm. And uh, my other one was, um, or one of my other ones was, um, when the dude sort of corrects someone to ask to be called the dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's or when he calls himself the dude in any way. When the dude says dude, I think that's quite a good drinking one. You would die of uh, alcohol poisoning, but yes. I like the different names he comes up for himself, like Dude Meister, Duderino. Yeah. <laughs> Duderino. I did appreciate, again, a little touch. There's one occasion when he does not refer to himself as the dude and he uses his real name, and that is at the morgue after Donnie has died. So he shows respect. Mm-hmm. Mm, at, at the mm, morgue, yeah. he's like, no, my name is Jeffrey Lebowski. It's, he's a good friend. The dude is a damn good friend. Yeah, I would definitely have to do as a I mean, friend. he doesn't stick up for Donny ever. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But I feel like he's got an essential loyalty. I think he's just neutral to the two of them. He's like equally friends with them both. And it is like, to be fair, I mean, obviously Walter's reactions are ridiculous. They're just so over the top. But mm. um, it is every time Donny just does randomly, he's like sat right next to them and doesn't really mm-hmm. listen for half the conversation and just cuts in asking questions about exactly what they've just said. Yeah, he's always like five seconds behind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like the Internet Explorer of that friend group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mean. Oh, oh, His next four is dead. He just gave Harry a hard on with that reference. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was going to say drink for acid flashback sequences. Oh, yeah, solid. Yeah. Mm. Any particular favourites? Yeah, I thought my favourite is the longest one where it's like mm. a, a short film. Yeah. Where there's like you know, dancers that are all dressed with like, bowling pins on their heads and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And, then like he floats underneath all their legs, and yeah. he's doing some good face work there. He is. I'm going to make a perhaps controversial statement. Maybe regular for regular listeners, it won't be that controversial. I found Jeff Bridges really sexy in that scene. <laughs> there was something about him. What when he's perving on loads of women? No, no not when he's underneath <laughs> the legs. When he's doing the he's doing the dance. He's got this white kind of shirt and pants on. He's just he, he just looks confident and sexy and masculine. I just, he's got like a builder's tool belt on yes, for some reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it just it did something. You can see what Maud likes about him, can't you? Absolutely, yeah. So, you like Julianne Moore so much, you start to see through her eyes. I think that might have been, that might have been a factor as well. Yes. <laughs> um, I got I got one as well. I think I just love people self referencing because when Jesus calls himself Jesus, well, I, yeah. I, I love characters talking the third person. It just cracks me up so much. I mean, except obviously the dumb president of the United States at the moment. But I mean, that's kind of funny in a like sad way. But apart from that, it's like in films when it's like someone calling themselves something, especially when they put so much emphasis. Like Jesus is like, I am Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. The way, everything about my character cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about Jesus's look particularly, but as I said earlier, it was such a creation because he's like the purple pants with the purple trainers and the purple top and the mm-hmm. purple belt. The one woman's nail. Mm-hmm. And then he's licking the bowling ball. He's got that brace on his on his bowling arm as well. He's got the brace on his bowling arm, yeah. It's because he's serious. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that his bowling buddy mm. is the most normal looking guy <laughs> in the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> Just for comparison. Yeah, no, he's this like Sasha Baron Cohen esque freak, yeah. and then his, his his buddy's just like a total regular Joe. Just mm-hmm. like... <laughs> Drink whenever one of the dude's possessions is damaged. Very good, very good. Yep, that's a good one. Happens a lot through the film. I mean, that rug it, it did it really tied the room together. Yeah, it's fucking tragic. <laughs> there's the rug, there's his car, there's anything in his house that gets uh, just smashed at multiple points. Mm-hmm. Him, he's, yeah. They finally killed my car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got another one. Whenever sort of bowling is mentioned, when they're like not in the bowling alley. So whenever it's like, you know, what do you do? Oh, I bowl. Or it's just mention of bowling, I think. That's just a good drinking one. You could just drink for, fuck it, dude, let's go bowling. That in itself, that quote comes up a good four or five times. But yeah, yeah bowling references are a good one. Definitely. I've got one other one. I, I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier. If mm-hmm. I did, I apologise. But um, whenever the dude drinks a white Russian. Oh, yeah, solid. And again, I like the fact that he's drinking, as you mentioned, this very expensive drink, but always out of a cheap cardboard cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Where's he getting it from? Like, is he just decanting it? I don't know, because also, I don't feel like it, like it's a common drink. Like, no. are, are they, what, what are the ingredients for white Russian? Is it a cocktail, or is it like a martini kind of thing? Or? Oof, I don't know. I think it's got vodka and milk in it, but there's other stuff. Um, I've just uh, looked it up, just to quickly write Russian, because I've, I've never had one either. Uh, it's a cocktail made with vodka, coffee liqueur, and cream. Often milk is used instead of cream. So it's just, it's coffee, vodka, and milk, which doesn't okay. sound too bad, actually. That sounds nice. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Sounds like something you'd regret drinking the next morning if you drank too much of it. <laughs> Not yeah. if you start yeah. the day with it. It's simultaneously, yeah. it cures your hangover, because if you're hungover, the booze cures the hangover, and the caffeine cures your hangover, so it's like an infinite cycle. But then the milk makes you throw up, so... Oh, yeah, Not great. Milk, it's, milk makes It's not one rule around. Well, it's working for the dude, clearly. Right? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got... Two more, quite quick. Uh, drink for whenever people talk about rugs. About rugs, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happens quite a lot through the film. And uh, drink for every new character introduction. Because I feel like every new character they get unseen, they get a big sort of, here I am, mm. and then there's a whole thing that happens. What was happening with a character we didn't mention with Johnny Treehorn? Who? How did oh, he play star. into the whole plot? The porn star, yeah. I think Johnny Treon, his only real thing was, I think it's just the first sort of hinting of clues that about what kind of person Buddy was. Because like, there's a whole thing where, like, the reason that the Big Lebowski was kind of like the whole conspiracy almost of it all. So I think maybe that was it, just kind of add more character depth to Bunny. But apart from that, I couldn't tell you. Drink every time the dude gets stoned. Mm, yeah. Yeah, solid. He's, he's always lighting up, which is good. And drink every time Walter goes from zero to 11. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Okay. I guess that's all our drinking games. I guess it's time to talk a little bit about Patreon. Mm-hmm. Harry, off you go. So we're on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash set. And if you'd like to support the show in any way, then you can donate as much or as little as you like. 
and there's a few bonus features available for whatever you donate. So we do a bonus show um, every now and then, which is uh, called Beyond Beyond the Box Set. Every um, week, not every now and then, every week, like clockwork. It's not specific. Sometimes it's more than once a week. True, is what I'm saying. Make it sound like it's just whenever we can be asked. I, I, I know that's how it came out. So, uh, so that's Come called on, sell it, sell the product. So it's called Beyond Beyond the Box Set, and uh, each episode we review a film that's in cinema right now, or if one of us goes on holiday, which seems to happen fairly often. On that occasion, then we will. Uh, just pick a film no sorry somebody will pick a film for us and we'll review that so in the past it's been Paddington recently did Avengers Infinity War and then like I say that's normally a cinema film so our last one was Black Klansman and uh, God knows what it'll be after tonight yeah we have some options depends what time we wrap up mm-hmm. so that's Beyond Beyond the Box Set and also on on if you become a patron supporter you can well you can do what Mike's done just now Woo. Um, and come and guest on the show yes um, pick your film guest on the show or just pick your film it's up to you and you know, we'll we'll do it for you. I'm having a lot of fun uh, so but, far, so I endorse it. It's uh, good, yeah. It, it it's it's always great to have people on. It's always fun. It's fun. It's been fun to have you, Mike. Thank you very much. So uh, yeah, that's great. And uh, also, once a week, we will do a thirty second ad slot for anything you want. It could be your own podcast, such as uh, well, Mike. What's your podcast? Why don't you give us a thirty seconds spiel about that? Oh yeah, uh, my podcast is Genuine Chit Chat. The tagline is Honest Conversations with Interesting People. I have a different guest on every episode, varying from musicians to authors, uh, photojournalists, to sometimes just mates of mine. Talk about any subject, really, from political issues to movies, science, all kinds of things. So, yeah, I think my promo is played uh, on the Sausage Party episode as well. So, once again... It's been on a couple of episodes now, yeah. Yeah, so definitely thumbs up to all that. So that's Genuine Chit Chat, and that can be found on all good podcasting platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Cool, good. Go find it. Anything else Patreon related, Harry? Uh, I don't. I, I think no, but you're looking at me as though there's nothing I've missed. Well, I can add on there as well that obviously uh, you can just pay like a small amount a month, and it's like one of the good comparisons is you go for a Starbucks coffee, and it actually costs more for a Starbucks coffee than sort of the amount that you can donate to yourselves. So it's like even if you didn't donate a huge amount, obviously you guys would like more better, but like. Even if you don't know, don't want to donate a huge amount, you can't really afford it. It's just really worth it, I find, especially supporting creators. Obviously, you guys do put a lot of work into this, and you have to spend a lot of time on it. So, just a couple of quid a month for most people isn't really that much. So, coming from me, I just say, go ahead and do it. Mike, would you like a job? <laughs> <laughs> you've just you've just done a better job of promoting our Patreon than Harry has done in the past two years. <laughs> just wait a year, right, yeah. just a year, Harry, and I'll be the one on the on the show, and you'll be the guest. I'm just sneaking in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we might need to cut this episode early, guys. No. Um, right, don't, get in, don't get insecure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because you can pay as much or as little as you want, and you, we have an, a pay-as-you-feel system, which means that you get this access to all the bonus features, regardless of whether you are donating $2 a month or $15,000 a month. So yeah, you can literally pay less than you pay for a cup of coffee to get a whole month's worth of fabulous bonus content from us. And all that's at patreon.com slash set. Yes. Uh, should we get to sequels then? So what we normally do for this when we have a guest is we'll do one of us will do a sequel, then we have the guest in the middle, and then whoever is left will wrap it up. So does that work for you? Yeah, guest sandwich. Sounds good. Great, cool. Uh, Harry, would you rather go first or do you want to close? I don't mind. Mm, I'll close. You want to close? Okay, then I'll go first. Okay, cool. So for my sequel, as always, I was kind of thinking, what, what out of this film do I want to see more of? Like... Because the plot is kind of incidental, as we discussed. Like, it doesn't really matter. You don't really need to follow up on the plot. Maybe you guys have, who knows. But um, I was thinking what really makes this film work, as we've kind of discussed, is the characters. Mm. Like, it's such a good character film. So I was kind of thinking, how would you want to 
bring those characters back, especially tw- like twenty years later. Then I got to thinking of some of my some of my other favorite kind of character driven comedies. And have either of you seen the movie Clue? Yes. No. You've not. Okay, so I barely remember it. Though. You can. Talk it's alright. You don't need to have a. You don't need to have a deep knowledge of Clue. It's fine. Well, basically, Clue is an '80s comedy, uh, and it's basically the movie adaptation of the of the game Cluedo. Okay. So it's very. It's a very silly comedy. It's got uh, Tim Curry, uh, Martin Mull, um, Christopher Lloyd from the Back to the Future movies is in it. Mm. Madeline Kahn. Just all these great '80s comics is in, are in it, and it's basically it is basically the game Cluedo. So it's like a, a really basic who done it, but it's hysterically funny. It's just a ridiculous silly comedy. The whole film is just a thinly veiled excuse to get a bunch of really funny character actors together to just like munch on some scenery and put on some silly wigs, which is essentially what The Big Lebowski is for me. So, and basically, it's been in the news recently that they are planning to remake Clue. I'm not someone who's necessarily against my favorite films being like remade or sequels being made, like, but I don't know if I can see it working. It seems like a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. It's such a great mm-hmm. film. Yeah, yeah. So that got me thinking. Okay, so. There's two films. There's a Big Lebowski, which I don't think necessarily needs, is screaming out for a sequel as much as I love it. And there's Clue, which is getting a sequel that I don't think is going to be very good, although I'm happy to be proved wrong. So what if the two were combined? So I thought, okay, so what if you combined Clue with The Big Lebowski? The Big Clue. The Big Clue. That's not the title I went for. The title I went for, which um, by all means pitch better ones, it's not the best I've ever come up with. So I've gone with for a title, The Big Lebowski 2, Dial L for Murder. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can see that mm-hmm. took, us, took us both a little minute there yeah. <laughs> um, so this film opens 20 years later after the events of the original film so yep. I mean time is doesn't matter I think the original film it, it came out in 1998 but I think it's set in like 1991 because it opens with a news piece from the first President Bush talking about the Iraq war mm. like the original yeah. Iraq war so I think it's set in like the early 90s it doesn't matter it's t- in, in, the rig- in the Big Lebowski in Clue and in this film I'm about to pitch quick point did um, either of you guys remember or notice sorry in one of the acid trips when he gets given some bowling shoes it's Saddam Hussein giving him bowling shoes mm. no I did not <laughs> wow okay <laughs> yeah I only noticed it because the name on the shirt said Saddam and I was like oh, that's a that's a specific name that you'd pick. And then I, I looked at the guy in the shirt and I'm like, oh, okay, they're just doing that. Okay, fine. <laughs> cool. So, that's the thing. There's so many small throwaway jokes in this film. You, you, you could watch The Big Lebowski a thousand times and you'd still be picking up new little mm. jokes, which is one of my favourite things about films. That's the mm. best thing about anyway. films. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. So it's 20 years later. It doesn't matter what year it is. It's immaterial. But 20 years have passed. The Dude is still living in Los Angeles. He's still bowling with Walter. And his life is essentially unchanged. The dude abides. You know, as, as the quote goes, the dude abides. Okay. What was that sigh for? What, nothing. I'm just <laughs> nothing. saying. He's getting upset about the dude's level of chill again, okay? We can just kind of gently sweep it under the rug. The oh, dude should again. get a job. Yeah, Harry is mentally calculating the dude's government income at this point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. That, that's going to be his sequel, The Dude Gets a Job, and it's just going to be a really boring film about Jeff Bridges with, like, an office job. <laughs> oh, God, it is, yeah. Harry's is just going to be like, the dude gets uh, yeah, the dude gets taken to court for tax evasion or something. Uh, so, anyway, out of the blue. <laughs> anyway, out, 20 years later, the dude is doing what is just doing the dude, and uh, out of the blue, he gets a letter inviting him to the Lebowski mansion, as in the elder Lebowski's mansion for an important meeting. And this is the first 
contact he's had from any member of the Lebowski family since the events of the original film. So he's intrigued and he decides to attend. And of course, Walter insists on coming along. Walter has a wooden leg now. Uh, we never find out why. It's just a little detail. Mm-hmm. So, somehow in the past 20 years, Walter okay. has acquired That's a wooden cool. leg. Is there any anything like in the wood? Like is he hiding a gun in there or something? Like, well, let's just see how the story plays out. Okay. But, <clears throat> Sorry. I just thought it'd be, it's mostly just a fun character detail. Like, yeah. I'm just imagining John Goodman bowling with a wooden leg like, mm-hmm. and being very angry. I just mm-hmm. feel like that's funny. He blame like every bad bowl. Yes. On the on the leg. Well, he's managed to keep his bowling game remarkably good considering he has a wooden leg. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's worked around it. But yes. Anyway, they arrive at the Lebowski Mansion, which is in the middle of the countryside and you know outside LA or something. And they're greeted by two mysterious masked butlers who usher them into the dining room. Mm-hmm. Already in the room are Maud Lebowski, Good. the Julianne Moore character, mm-hmm. Bunny Lebowski, the mm-hmm. Tara Reid character, uh, Brant, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, mm-hmm. Jesus, sorry, Jesus Quentina. How did he get rubbed into this? We'll find out. <laughs> okay. And, and the German nihilists. What happened to uh, the, the Maud's son? Son, daughter, child, whatever? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe okay. we won't. Okay, I'm jumping ahead. I'm sorry. Maybe we will never. Maybe you know we, we never found out for sure whether that kid ever existed. Who knows? Anyway, so it transpires that none of these people has seen or spoken to Lebowski Senior in quite some time. But Sam Neill said that there was going to be a baby at the end. We just shut up and let me finish <laughs> my fucking story. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's also not Sam Neill, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also not Sam Neill. Sam, Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliot. Yeah, okay. Elliot, yeah. So, yeah, not, none guy. of these people have spoken to the elder Lebowski for quite some time. Bunny obviously divorced him many years ago. Mm. Yeah, that, that marriage shocker didn't work out. Wait, what? divorce? I, I assume that she was waiting so he was going to die. Well, he didn't die, so she had to divorce him. Uh. He's still alive. Uh, okay. oh, it's been okay. 20 years and he's still alive. How? Well, the, to be you fair, like, you say that. The actor who played him only died two years ago. Uh. When's this film set? This film is, I said, the setting doesn't matter. It's like 20 years after the original. Okay, cool. So, yeah. About, about an hour. Yes, basically. Uh, anyway, so Bunny divorced him many years ago, and Maud Lebowski disowned him after the kidnapping scandal and had mm. no more contact with him. Mm-hmm. So they're all gathered in this dining room, wondering what, none of them know why they're there. Wait, what scandal? Like, she she came back. Yeah, but still, but the, the, the scandal was that her father, Maud Lebowski's father, mm. faked the whole kidnapping to try and, like, get money out of them. Yes. Do you remember that plot detail? No. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was the whole point. That was the point. That was the, the, the point of the film was that it turned out that he had faked the kidnapping scandal. Mm. Well, she ran away mm. and he claimed she'd been kidnapped mm. so that he could extort money from Maud because she holds the keys to the actual Lebowski fortune. It was he took money out of the family donation fund, mm. essentially, as an excuse to like... Yeah. And then he gave... He was meant to give... The, what he gave to the dude and uh, Walter was like a fake briefcase. But instead, obviously, the dude and Walter mm-hmm. swapped it anyway. So it was kind of trying to show that even with the dude and Walter messing up so much, it kind of messed up its own way, even though the big Lebowski would already kind of done that in a sense. Uh, so again, an example of Walter being right, even though nobody believes him. Okay, sure. Yeah. It's just changing everything about your secret. <laughs> bits. <laughs> okay. Bits. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you steal. <laughs> we'll work that out later. We'll, 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 we'll work those kinks out later. So, all of these guests are gathered in the, in the Lebowski mansion dining room. None of them know why they're there, but none of them have spoken to Lebowski Senior for quite some time. Finally, Lebowski Senior, frail but remarkably still alive, wheels himself in. Mm-hmm. And he announces that he's gathered them all together because each of them has betrayed him in some way in the past. And now that he is nearing the end of his life, he's decided to have his revenge. 
And using his wealth and a small army of private detectives, he's gathered ex extremely incriminating evidence against every one of them. And now he's going to expose them all. Okay. Okay. So he tells them okay. all of this mm -hmm. in like a, you know, melodramatic speech. Mm. Before he can say any more, the lights in the room go out and the room is conveniently plunged into darkness. There's a scream, the sound of a struggle. And when the lights come back on, Lebowski Sr., the big Lebowski, is slumped on the floor next to his wheelchair, dead from a stab wound to the chest. Ooh. So, it's all, so it's basically, I'm just building up the Cluedo kind of, you know, we have our murderer now. We mm -hmm. have our murder. Okay. Um, Mike, do you care to take a guess? I guess who did it? Um, yeah. It's in these sorts of uh, scenarios, it's usually like, if you take murder from the Orient Express or anything like that, it's normally either the person who seems the most obvious that's so obvious it wouldn't be them, or it's like everyone. <laughs> so it's probably going to be some sort of thing where it's like, it wouldn't be the dude. I imagine it would be Walter. It's probably going to be Bunny, but it's probably going to, everyone's going to think it's Bunny at the start, and then there's going to be loads of clues pointing to her not being it. And so they kind of dismiss that and then mm. kind of loops back. That'd be my guess. Uh, my guess is suicide. Mm. Okay. Well, let's see how this plays mm. out, shall yes, we? Yes, let's. Okay. So from this point, the movie is going to play out pretty much like the movie Clue, as the characters try to establish possible motives for who might have killed the big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. The dude immediately claims that he couldn't possibly have killed the old geezer because he's a, he's a pacifist. Mm. Most of the guests agree that he's probably too lazy to actually commit murder. <laughs> but he does have the motive. <laughs> That's why I get away with things. Yeah. <laughs> He does have a motive, though, because sharing a name with the, the Big Lebowski all these years has caused him endless misery, multiple beatings, and he never did manage to replace that rug. Mm. So, mm. you know, maybe he's been stewing on that for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, Walter, the John Goodman character, immediately becomes suspect number one when he attempts to take control of the situation by pulling out a gun and firing wildly into the air. Okay, okay, but I don't really think that Walter's the guy to to stab someone in the chest. He's, more like to he's not going to hide about murdering someone he's just gonna go out and do it mm. so uh no i don't think it's, don't think it's well so fine well he's just he's done a waltz he's pulled out his handgun he's like he's trying to calm everyone because everyone's shocked he's, he's just pulled his gun out and he's like shooting the ceiling basically mm -hmm. and just saying you know, everybody calm the fuck down or something mm -hmm. which immediately makes him the suspect the dude manages to calm him down and he does admit that he blamed the big lebowski for robbing him of the bowling championship all those years ago by inadvertently bringing about the death of their most consistent player, i.e. Donnie. Mm -hmm. So he's not sad that Donnie was killed. He's sad that, you know, they lost to their third bowling partner and hence didn't win the trophy that year. Yeah. And that's, that's Walter's... That's very believable, to be fair. Maud also arouses some suspicion by expressing a complete lack of emotion regarding her father's death. Although the room does accept that she hasn't actually raised her voice above a monotone in over 30 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a huge shock. And her obvious motivation for killing him would be that even after the kidnapping scandal, her father continued to leech off the Lebowski Foundation for another 20 years, stubbornly refusing to die of old age. Mm -hmm. So he's been like living off the, the, the money from the Lebowski Foundation mm -hmm. all this time. Uh, Bunny Lebowski, Tara Reid, is now in her early 40s, but due to a life of drug abuse and ill-advised plastic surgery, she looks much older, <laughs> which is just a way to account for the fact that Tara Reid is still playing her. <laughs> she eventually left the Big Lebowski, to pursue an acting career, but was only able to get work on a series of cheesy straight-to-cable killer shark movies. <laughs> That's a Sharknado for those yep, who... I yep, got that. Yep. She had been unsuccessfully trying to sue Lebowski for unpaid alimony for many years, running up crippling legal costs in the process. So that's her motive. Mm -hmm. Brant the butler, Philip Seymour Hoffman, admits that he's been hopelessly in love with the Big Lebowski for many years, 
but the old man never returned his affection. So it's a classic Smithers I was Burns. Say Smithers. <laughs> yeah, that that was really what I felt like their relationship was in this film. So yeah. on the morning of the dinner party, as in the dinner party they're in the middle of right now. Yeah. Lebowski Sr. had given him his notice with no explanation, and after over 25 years of loyal service, he was about to be out of a job. Obviously, in the sad absence of Philip Seymour Hoffman, the role will of course be played by Fat Damon. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Or maybe Matt Damon in a fat suit. What do you reckon? Mm. Fat Damon is the actor Jesse Plemons from Fargo. Mm. Mm. Let's let's, let's go Fat Matt Damon. Fat Fat Damon. As in actual Matt Damon in a fat suit? Yes. Yeah. Actually, no, Matt Damon putting on some pounds. Pa- Matt Damon gaining weight for the role. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It has been noted that... Commit. I mean, in, in uh, Suburbicon, he he had gained some weight for that. He had. Well, I think he'd gained some weight. He, he incidentally, some... was in that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. Okay. Uh, he could gain some more. He could, absolutely, yeah. And it has been noted that Matt Damon and Philip Seymour Hoffman look kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Except that Matt Damon's obviously slimmer. Mm-hmm. Well, now... Sometimes. Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman's now considerably slimmer, but... Ooh. Yes, he is. <laughs> Sorry, too, 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 too soon, too soon. <laughs> but yeah, okay, so look, Matt Damon is going to gain some weight for this role in, in a vain attempt to win an Oscar, mm-hmm. a misguided attempt to win an Oscar. Anyway, uh, the German nihilists, obviously they blame Lebowski for the brutal beatings they all received 20 years ago at the mm. hands of the dude and Walter. Mm-hmm. Is Please still alive? Yes, but permanently crippled okay. with severe bowel disorders okay. from that bowling ball to the stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh, worse still, Peter Stormare, the main nihilist, his girlfriend, who sacrificed a toe for the mm-hmm. whole scheme, yeah. her amputated toe became infected and she died of gangrene shortly after the events of the original film. Oh, God. Oh, so they're, yes, they're all after revenge for that. Mm. What about his ear? Oh, yeah, he also lost an ear. So they've got, they've just got all the motive, basically. They've mm-hmm. got a lot of motives for wanting this guy dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at this point, the dude is going to turn to Jesus mm-hmm. and say, what the fuck are you doing? I can't, I can't do a, a good Jeff Bridges. But, uh, you know, he's going to say, what the fuck are you doing here, man? You were an ancillary character at best. And you, never, you never even met Lebowski. <laughs> yeah. So then Maud is going to step in and explain that Jesus is, in fact, her black sheep brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Who was disowned from the family on account of his habit of exposing himself to small children. Mm-hmm. The only thing we have in common is a passion for putting on ridiculous accents. <laughs> I mean, I think that if if he had a passion for exposing the other children, it'd be difficult because that costume looks like it takes a long time to take on and off. Well, maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's him trying to control his compulsion by making it as difficult as possible for himself to actually... Distracting uh, himself yeah. from bowling. Yeah. You don't see that many kids at bowling alleys either. Yeah. He's trying. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> he's just sublimating all of his disgusting tendencies into bowling the perfect game. Mm-hmm. When he's licking that bowling ball, in his mind, he's licking the head of a small child. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, too far? <laughs> anyway. So I'm moving swiftly on. I may edit that out. <laughs> So the rest of the film is just going to involve the characters kind of splitting into smaller groups, wandering around the mansion, trying to solve the murder, much like Clue. There's going to be cameos from a lot of the other supporting players of the film. Mm-hmm. So David Felwis can turn up with his silly high-pitched laugh <laughs> and his Scouse accent, yeah, yeah. and someone can kill him. <laughs> I'm thinking Sam Elliott's going to knock on the door in his cowboy hat with his big moustache, yeah. and he's going to deliver a long, pointless monologue, and everyone's just going to shoot him halfway through out of sheer boredom. Oh, I know. But he's just so lovely. I know, but I don't know. Walter's going to shoot him in the head and be like, guys, we need to move this along. (laughs) Eventually, everyone returns to the dining room and everyone's just accusing everybody else of being the killer. It's just chaos. Eventually, the dude calls for silence because much like the original film, he's like our detective figure. He's our... Does he say, the dude calls for silence? Sure, why not? The dude needs to think. The dude needs some silence. Yes. The dude demands (laughs) silence. And then he walks over and just makes a white Russian. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely sipping on right Russian through all of this, yeah, and okay, smoking a, a joint. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he calls for silence and declares that he has, in fact, figured all this out. He, he reasons that if everybody has an equally compelling reason to murder the old man, then the only possible conclusion is that none of them murdered him. It's like they've cancelled each other out. Mm-hmm. So then he drags in the mysterious butlers who let them in in the first place mm-hmm. with the masks. And they've been keeping a low profile for all of this. Mm-hmm. And he rips off their masks. So there's two of them. One is a familiar looking middle-aged man. The other a young boy, about 20. Uh, it's possible Harry has uh, got a jump on me here with this. Yeah, so I was, so, so I was thinking that one. Yeah. Um, the, the, the middle-aged man who was in a mask, mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi? No. Steve- I'll continue. Oh, can I guess? It's not going to be like Jesus' friend, is it? That random bloke. <laughs> I wish it was. I'll continue. So the dude asks them, like, who are you people anyway? So the older man introduces himself first, and he is Ronnie, the brother of Donnie. Steve, oh, Steve Buscemi so is Donnie. Oh. So here's Steve Buscemi's, oh, here's should, Donnie's should, brother, Ronnie. I, I could have been smarter and seen that coming. Yeah. Um, can, I, I, I can probably guess who you've got to play. That, that, that yeah, I think you might have done. Yeah. yeah, I've forgotten his name, but Steve Buscemi's actual brother. Yeah, so we watched Black Klansman last week. Oh, I watched that as well. Um, yeah, did you notice there was the guy in it who looked exactly like Steve Buscemi? Um, I didn't. Re- I actually watch it last night, but uh, not specifically. So the you know Adam Driver who plays the the, the main oh Jewish the guy? other guy Jimmy or something. the other yeah Jimmy his like the other cop yeah, yeah. you know how the three of them were constantly like randomly having meetings in supply closets <laughs> for some reason yeah. Uh, him and the whole film I was like is that Steve Buscemi he looks different but he kind of looks a lot like Steve Buscemi and then I looked at the credits at the end it was Michael Buscemi Steve Buscemi's brother oh mm. wow okay I, sh- I should have known that you were going to do that because I was going to do that this I- I've not but I was going to yeah. I was going to cast him and a few others but mm. yeah, save that so yeah so basically Ronnie played by Michael Buscemi is yeah, Ronnie the brother of Donnie mm-hmm. and he's gathered everyone together to avenge his brother whose death he blames on everyone involved with the original kidnapping scheme because mm-hmm. you know it all came together and caused his fatal heart attack so obviously he's well, the, well it didn't it didn't know but you know <laughs> as far as he's concerned you know he has to blame someone yeah anyway he's in the middle of explaining this though he's like ranting and raving and explaining why he demands vengeance etc and who he is and in the middle of it all, Walter just gets bored and shouts, shut the fuck up, Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Then the dude turns to the younger man and asks what he's got to do with all of this. And brace yourselves, this is going to shock you, I know. The younger man turns to Maud and says, well, why don't you tell him, mom? <laughs> and then it is revealed. Wait, who is this 20, 20-year-old man? Well, I'm going to tell you now. Oh, in terms of Cast who's playing him. him. I don't know, who could play a young Jeff Bridges? I was originally going to cast Garrett Headland. Who's that? He plays, well... Shame on you. He plays Jeff Bridges' son in your second, third favorite oh, film of all time, yeah. okay. Tron Legacy. Yeah, I haven't seen. Tron he's not like thirty-five. He, yeah, he, he might be getting a bit old for he's twenty old. now. Yeah, he's, t- he's definitely too old. And to also, play he looks nothing like Jeff Bridges and acts no. nothing like Jeff Bridges. Why was he cast as his son, as his son then? Mm. No. Well, who could play Jeff Bridges' son then? Mm. Oh God, Matt I, looked, I looked it up and gave up. <laughs> Matt, again, a touch too old for this role as a twenty-year-old. That's a push. Matt Damon. Fact, also, can he play 20? I think he's also like on the wrong side of 30. Jimmy Simpson. Also too old, but Tom Holland. Closer. Okay. Tom Holland, maybe. Too young. Too young. Maybe Lucas <laughs> actually, Hedges. Actually, maybe Tom Holland is 20. Bridges and Hedges. Uh, I see what you're doing there, but yeah, yeah sure. Well, we, we've established in past episodes we don't know our younger actors. <laughs> but anyway, someone around the age of 20. I mean, Lucas Hedges has no acting variation. No. Well, maybe this is his chance. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I feel like he's somewhat closer to Jeff Bridges than 
say, Timothy Chalamet, of the two that we mm. default to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, some 20-year-old kid. So, so, yeah, it is revealed that the younger conspirator is, in fact, the son of Maud and the Dude, conceived during the first movie. Maud quickly grew bored of motherhood and shipped him off to an elite boarding school, where he became hell-bent on revenge against the parents who rejected him. The dude is filled with remorse and apologises to his son for not being a part of his life. They have a heartfelt hug, but then Ronnie pulls out a shotgun and prepares to finish the job by firing at the dude to kill him. Walter dramatically dives in the path of the bullet, which lodges in his wooden leg. So it all comes back. It's all come back around. Uh, thereby saving his best friend's life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, confirming the connection between these two people. Ronnie dies of a sudden heart attack. Because <laughs> I need to wrap this up. <laughs> it turns out it was congenital. The dude and his son, who coincidentally is also called Jeffrey Lebowski, mm-hmm. meaning there's now three. Mm-hmm. Well, now two, because the old man's dead. Uh, reconcile and everyone lives happily ever after. Wait, so that means that young 20-year-old Jeff Lebowski... His granddad is Jeff Lebowski and his dad are Jeff Lebowski, but the two of them are not related. Yes. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's good. Layers. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically it's just a whole, long story short, it's a big old murder mystery on the theme of Clue. Sorry, who did it in the end? Was it, was it the two guys? It was Ronnie and... Um, Ronnie and Jeff. Ronnie and Jeff did it, yeah. Okay. Oh, very good. Um, okay, well, it looks like John's just up to get a beer, so he can't hear you now, Mike. That's what do good. you want to say about him? What do you really think of John? Um, I hate him so much. You need to really take over the show. You need to completely cut John out. That's my plan. (laughs) Um, Yes, that's my plan. If you would like to take over, that's great. Um, Cool. So, uh, welcome back, John. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Did I miss anything? (laughs) No, nothing happened. Um, Okay, Mike, do you want want to tell us what you've come up with? Okay, so the film is set quite soon after the events of The Big Lebowski, like within Mm -hmm. a year or so, probably within a couple of months, to be honest, uh, the dude and uh, Walter, they kind of, they go through Donnie's stuff, you know, they're just kind of getting rid of it or seeing if there's anything they want, you know, that sort of thing. And they come across uh, like a diary, Mm -hmm. essentially. And they end up, they go through it and they kind of start, you know, they think they shouldn't read it. And, you know, they're like, the dude's like, you can't read this, you know, it's it's Donnie's personal stuff. And what was like, you know, this is what Donnie would have wanted and that sort of thing. And when they're umming and ahhing about it and they pick up this, uh, this diary, a little note slips out and it says to the dude and Walter and they open it up and he says, you know, I've left this for you. Please read with care or something along those lines. Um, Quite minimalist. (laughs) And um, so what they do is they they start reading uh, through the diary and the first few pages just kind of, travel and rubbish and it's nothing really that important and then it kind of gets on to how the dude and uh donny and walter all sort of met and things i would imagine it's going to be like a, a bowling alley sort of thing and donny was just doing quite well and then the dude was just complimenting him for how it was and then that kind of formed their friendship from there and i think over the years what happens is basically whenever the dude or walter seem to get in these big confrontations and things they seem to always just manage to sort of get out of them mm, and yeah. it just seems to be just something they you know Walter thinks he's right all the time and the dude's so chill it doesn't really bother him but each of the each time they read a thing it kind of does a flashback so you can have you know Steve Buscemi in it again you'd have to make them look a bit younger and things so <laughs> you know good thing of uh, modern, modern technology so we'd be able to do that if you could make Jeff Bridges look so young in Tron Legacy and things with the face dotted thing maybe you could do it there to be fair has Steve Buscemi actually not just looked about 50 for the past 30 years anyway no no he um, about f- 50 years ago he looked 50 Right. And he and he has aged at the same rate as the rest of us. Sure. He, so he came out of the womb like a 50-year-old man. Mm. Just, okay, he came sure. out of the womb with a cigarette in his mouth. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're reading through this diary, essentially. And uh, what they find is every time a confrontation happens, uh, Donnie writes about it quite in detail and does a flashback. And then what happens is that Donnie actually 
in some way he stops any of these confrontations happening you know it turns out that donnie's kind of like their guardian angel in a sense where every time something bad happens that they think they can't get out of donnie somehow makes it kind of makes it not too bad and it could do that over and over again you know several several years so donnie has been sort of their their guiding angel sort of thing he's been getting them out of all their all their big issues yeah i just think like um Actually, watching Big Lebowski, I think it would make a lot of sense to have someone looking out for them because with Walter, he's so off the rails. You just think, how can he, maybe how, how can he ever get away with these things? And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, Donnie's, uh, he's got family members in the police or something, and he's kind of saying, I'll keep a watchful eye on Walter. He's not actually a bad guy. He's just a bit loose. So it's like, you adds all this depth to, to sort of Donnie, even though in Big Lebowski, he's just kind of where watching. It's actually because he's making sure they don't get into trouble. And he's, when they're doing on their crazy adventures, it can show that little flashbacks also to uh, the events of the Big Lebowski, he actually prevented a lot of the things from the nihilists um, getting them quick enough or doing certain things to kind of slow them down and all the, and maybe dropping little hints and things. So it kind of like adds to the depth of the movie Big Lebowski. That's kind of the idea I was going for. And it, and it goes on and eventually, you know, they kind of get to the end of the, uh, they get to the end of the diary. But I, I think that what they would be doing is they have explained this terribly, but they wouldn't just be sat there, read the diary, start to finish. It would be one of those films where, you know, five, ten minutes of the film happens and it progresses the natural story um, as well as then mm. does like 10, 15 minutes of flashback. And it goes backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards sort of thing. And then I think eventually they would, I actually kind of had the same idea, they meet his brother. And it turns out his brother's ah. like, oh, I've heard so much about you, you know, from uh, Donnie. He's always told me about this. And then he becomes the new um, sort of Donnie within, you know, a couple of months of the events of The Big Lebowski. And they become sort of best friends, and obviously one of the things that Walter starts doing is telling uh, telling the the new Donny to basically just keeps calling him Donny, and he's like, my, nom- my name's not Donny, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I am his brother, and I'm Ronnie, that, but yeah, or it could be Ronnie. Yeah, he's just like, you know, my name is actually you know Bob, and he's like, mm, I don't really like the name Bob, you know, I think I'm going to call you Donny. It's like, fine, but please, actually, please don't call me Donny. You know, I really don't like it. And it's like, shut the fuck up, Donny. And they're just like, <laughs> as the film kind of ends, it's almost like a scene from The Big Lebowski where you know uh, Jesus is there. And it's almost like gone back to normal, and they just kind of know that Donnie's been looking out for them this whole time. I just think that would come. Mm. That's pretty much it, really. Oh, that's very nice. Of, uh, yeah, I just think Donnie is such a nice guy. <laughs> He's like a nice guy. He's like poor Donnie. He just seems so vacant and stuff. I just thought, give him some depth. Honestly, more Buscemi. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought uh, the name I'd think I'd call it would be uh, Finding Donnie. A Lebowski story. <laughs> so, very good, that would be, uh, that's my film pitch. A half prequel, Ooh. half sequel. That's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like how we both went for the uh, the, the missing brother route. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anything to get Steve Buscemi back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, everyone, every film, with or without Steve Buscemi, needs more Steve Buscemi in it. That's just a fact. I agree. Have you ever watched a film and been like, this film would be better without Steve Buscemi? It just doesn't happen. No. No, you're right. It's that Reservoir Dogs. He's brilliant in that. Love that movie. I yeah. love him in it. I've not seen it. What? So many films. I know. I, Welcome just... to my world. <laughs> yeah, world. I've, I've not seen anything. That's the guy on the list. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah we, we've had 81 episodes and Harry has seen 82 films in his entire life. <laughs> he's right. He's, yeah. Mm. Cool. So, um, Harry, we're going to move on to your idea then. Yeah, okay. So, um, my, mine's called The Big Lebowski. Donnie didn't die at the end. Donnie... Oh God, that really rolls <laughs> off the tongue, Harry. <laughs> Go on, continue. Um, so I guess we've all kind of gone with a... Uh, a Donny story. It, Donnie speaks story. To, it speaks to the character. Like, yeah. he's, he's, there's so many characters in this film, but we all gravitated to Donny. 
so this is going to be a side call. Okay. So it's going to happen at the same time as that um, about Donny. Um, and I've actually casted a young Steve Buscemi. Oh, I'm intrigued. Okay. As uh, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Mm, if you look at a picture of him when he's doing his crazy Pennywise face, but without makeup, mm-hmm. he is Steve Buscemi. His eyes. Oh, I've like, seen that. Yeah. He. There's, there's no better casting than Bill Skarsgård. Sure. Okay. So this is going to tell the story about how Donny actually comes up on top. Oh, okay. At the end. So, the film starts out in a bowling alley again, with country music and a montage of bowlers, concluding in Danny bowling a strike, and a recreation of the first line of the film of, Wow! I'm throwing rocks tonight! Can I just pause for a second? Yeah. Do you, this, this is something I kind of alluded to very briefly in my sequel. Do you think Donny is the best bowler on the team? Yeah. Because you never yeah. see the other two bowling. No. And I think that adds more to the fact that they treat him like shit if he's actually like <laughs> yeah. their star player. Yeah. Walter has to knock him down a few pegs because Walter can't really deal with it. Yeah, Walter's very insecure. Anyway, mm-hmm. continue. And so then there's a conversation in which Donny is told to shut the fuck up many times and that he's out of his league. Um, this angers Donny. Um, it's just been happening for some time and he's at the point of snapping, quite frankly. Really? Because he seems so chill in the original film. Mm. But is that just his facade? Mm, it's just He's just a quiet bloke. Okay. Mm. By the way, I'm not recasting anybody else. This is all going to be Bill Skarsgård just put in place of the original footage. Right. Oh, I like that. That's good. So yeah. it's still going to be Jeff Bridges and John Goodman? Yeah. Yes. Human? John Goodman. Who's Goodman? Like I say, he's he's pretty much at the point of snapping. He is so frustrated that he needs to take out his anger on somebody. Sure. Um, so after the bowling, he races their competitors back to their house. So just who can he take his anger out on? Well, they're, they're competitors for the evening. They're bowling competitors? Yes. Is this Jesus and his not at, the, not at this point, no. Okay, sure. And so, well, he knows where they live, so he gets there first and hides in the bushes. And uh, as they step out of their car, he attacks them with uh, all he can find around him, which is just some rocks on the ground. Okay. And uh, he, in fact, murders all of them. So who are these people? Do we see them in the original film? Or? Um, at this point, I don't think we do. Um, I don't think we do see, see these guys, but... Uh, they're just general bowling fans. Yeah, bowling fans. But okay. They, but, but they're dead now. Okay. Fine. Okay, so next evening, pretty much a repeat of this. There's maybe the same music going on, another montage of bowling, um, Danny bowling another strike, and he's going, wow! Donny. Donny. Oh, the O and A in this font are written in looks so similar. So we're we basically positing the Big Lebowski meets American Psycho. Is that where we're going with this? Kind of thing. Not that I've seen that film. Of course you um, Go on. <laughs> so yeah, the next evening, repeat of this, montage of bowling, Danny bowls another strike, and he's like, wow, slamming them tonight. <laughs> you guys are going to be dead in the water, pointing at the, the rivals. Oh gosh, it's a threat, a veiled threat. Mm. Okay. This is the night, by the way, that John Goodman actually gets out his gun. At oh that yeah, time. okay. And so this, we actually see who these competitors are this time. Okay. And so there's that whole thing, and then after a while, Walter and the dude, they just walk out, they leave Donnie behind. Like, they just forget that he's there, pretty much. Which obviously angers him some more. Sure. And so, yeah, he decides, well, he's going to, again, take his anger out on something. So he attacks that other competitor in the bowling alley. That, lo- that it, the long-haired guy? Who yeah. Didn't, okay. He Aww. grabs a bowling ball, walks up to him, and just smacks him on his bowling arm Yikes. with the bowling ball, breaking his arm. Donnie runs out, and by fluke, nobody actually sees. Okay. Nobody was looking at the okay. time of the incident, and then no one saw him leave. So um, is that guy dead, or has he just got, like, a broken arm? He's got a very, very broken arm. Oh, we've already established that guy has severe emotional problems. I know. That's so sad. I know. Okay. Um, Donnie's so, a monster. <laughs> so, Donnie is a monster. I feel a lot of sympathy for Steve Buscemi at this point. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he he runs out, waits in his car, and uh, then eventually an ambulance comes up. Okay. The bowler is loaded into the ambulance, along with all of the team. They all sure. get in. Donnie follows them. 
Okay. And as soon as they start coming up to a bridge, Donnie starts overtaking them. Mm-hmm. And when they go over the bridge, he swerves to the right, uh, knocking the ambulance into the water. And he gets out of the car and watches the, as the ambulance slowly sinks. Oh my God, Donnie's you a serial see, You can killer. see blue flashing lights under the water slowly getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And it's gone. Dark. Mm-hmm. Now, the next night is where we meet Jesus. Okay. Or, what do you call him? Jesus. Jesus. I thought he meant literal Jesus then. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's already sent quite a few people off to Jesus. So. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Jesus literally comes down from the heavens and immediately he's just like, you know what? That's it, that's enough from you. Okay, so the next night we meet Jesus and, uh, well, Danny's really got a liking for this new serial killer. Donny! Donny, I'm sorry, guys. It's, it's not a name I'm familiar with. Donny. The audience isn't going to know who you mean. It's, it's going to be fine, Horry, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so he's got a big liking for this serial killer thing, and so he tries to plan out how he's going to get Hazes. After a night of bowling, he follows Hazes home, and, uh, well, given that he's by himself, that Hazes is by himself, Donnie's going to stalk him into his house and kill him with a kitchen knife and uh, hide the body in the basement. That's the plan. Jesus is sitting on the couch when Donnie silently walks into the living room from behind with a knife in his hand, but Jesus is on the phone to his mother. It's a very emotional conversation where he's he's talking about his, his criminal history and how he's been completely misunderstood with everything, like he didn't do all the things he's been accused of and, you know, he's actually, he's a, he's a good guy. To his mother? Yeah, to his mother. Okay. And uh, you can hear his mother crying on the other end. And uh, This he, is a dark and depressing take on the Big Lebowski. Oh God, it is. <laughs> yeah. It, it, gets, it gets worse. And uh, Hazel says that he's, he's going to visit this weekend and, you know, make amends with her. Sure. Flashback. Flashback. Oh, God, is this going to be like the fucking burlesque episode? Yeah, it is. So, Donnie's now a little boy. Okay. Um, he's running around the back garden with his mum. Don't know who the mum's going to be. Who could be Steve Buscemi's mum? I don't know. It probably have to be Glenn Close or someone like that, wouldn't it? Maggie Gyllenhaal, maybe? She's got an odd face. <laughs> Lovely. No, no, she's pretty, but she's got an odd face. Okay. Huh. Uh, Donnie's going to be a boy of about five. Okay. But rather than trying to cast a five-year-old, I was thinking, why not just get Steve Buscemi's actual face... And digitally attach it to a five-year-old. That sounds like, like the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> sounds worse than Pennywise. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that's what that is. <laughs> it sounds like an Aphex twin video or something. <laughs> so, yeah, they're having a, a great time in the back garden. They're playing with sprinklers and the dog or whatever. I don't know, just a happy time. Sure. But then Donnie's dad um, is going to come home, played by angry Steve Buscemi. Oh, God. Oh, angry okay. grown-up Steve Buscemi. Right, okay. And an argument will ensue, and Donnie gets sent to bed. And it's, in fact, the last time Donnie ever sees his mother alive. Oh, my God. Jesus So that's Christ. a bit of backstory for him. Okay, so this is why he's a psychopath, because his mother killed his father. His father killed his mother. Yes. Okay. Okay, so flashback to Jesus' house. Donnie now has tears down his face. He backs out of the house quietly and drives home very emotionally. He spares Jesus' life because they both have mummy issues. Yeah, yes. Or parental issues. Parental like at, issues, at, at, sure. at this point... Uh, Donnie's kind of seeing his father in himself. Okay. And he's like, oh my God, I can't just take lives like this, like this. Uh-huh. Okay. Where is this going and who is it for? <laughs> <laughs> Two questions I do not know the answer to. Okay. So the next day at the alley, we start with another montage and Donnie bowling what we thought was going to be a strike, but is instead just a 7-10 split. Oh, this is when he starts to get his heart attacks into it. Mm. Okay. He's off his game. In fact, for the whole night, he doesn't score a single strike. Oh no. Which is uh, obviously very unusual. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he decides that the only way he can get back on his game is to finally get back at the dude and Walter for being so shit to him right. for all this time. Because that's what spurred on all these murders. Sure. So, rather than taking his anger out on other people, he decides to go for that. So, at this point on, he decides to... He's not going to murder them. 
Because that's wrong. Can't kill people. Okay, good. He's learned that lesson. Yeah. Okay. So uh, he starts to really listen to what the two of them are saying so that he can, he can ruin their plans. He can... I mean, essentially do the opposite of what you said, Mike. So he hears them talk about a deal gone wrong and that the dude has uh, $1 million in a case in his car. Right. Oh. So he's like, ooh, right. So, uh, yeah, when they're not looking, not that they're ever looking at him, uh, he goes out and uh, robs the case from the car, puts it in his own car. He walks back in, rubbing his hands. In the background, we see the three Germans just stealing mm. the dude's car. Sure. That's when that happens. And, uh, yeah, so now he's just sitting around waiting for everything to go to go for shit for them because he thinks he's just stolen a million dollars from them from, like, gang money or something that... He knows it doesn't belong to them. He waits for days and days and days, and nothing super bad seems to be happening to them. The dude gets his car back. Neither of them get caught by the police or anything. I mean, the dude gets insulted by his bath, but he doesn't seem bothered. Yeah, so Donnie suddenly gives up on that. He's got a case that does actually have a million dollars in it, by the way. Okay. Due to some mistake, Clara Clara. I don't know. Was there a million dollars in that case ever in the film? No, because the Jeffrey... Lebowski was. I watched. I, wa- I, wa- I watched it back. He didn't clearly say that he didn't have a million dollars in there, but whatever. It's to be implied, but sure. Maybe by mistake it was. Also, you messed up the timing completely because Donnie should be dead by now. What he, he plays no. his imperfect game when he starts feeling as bad. Perhaps that's not his first imperfect game. All right. Fine. So uh, Donnie makes a new plan. He. That's why I said seven ten split. Okay, to sure. specify, he didn't. He didn't knock nine pins over. Okay. Fine. The difference. Fine, so fine. he makes a new plan. He tracks down the Germans and tells them that the dude will be at the alley tonight with the money and that if they take it off the dude, he'll take them for a night out. And he also That pays- seems like a weird deal. Steal a million dollars, <laughs> give it back to me, and I'll, I'll buy you a McDonald's. <laughs> he also pays off an ambulance driver and a funeral director with with the same promise, which will come up later. Oh, so he's faking his own death. Essentially, yes. Okay, sure. Um, so the Germans turn up to the alley, fully ready for a fight and also ready for a rave later on. Okay. As Germans are. Yeah. Well, it explains why they were dressed as they were with a stereo as well. Sure. Okay. The fight happens and uh, Donnie fakes a heart attack. His ambulance rocks up and takes him straight to the morgue. He manages to very successfully fake his own death. Cool. Like okay. everybody essentially thinks he's dead. Like the funeral director thinks he's in that coffin. Cool. And the dude and Walter come to pick up the ashes next day. Donnie is spying from a corner or something. And is insulted. They won't even pay $180 for a container for his ashes. Oh. So, yeah, that's not great. Because yeah. the final nail in a coffin, some would say. I don't sure, know. Yeah. Um, he follows them to where they spread his ashes and watches from a distance. And if you look in the actual film, you can actually see him in the background um, just as the two of them finish hugging. Look really? at that. Look it up. Genuinely. Look it up. Are you making that up? Nope. You can still see Buscemi in that shot. Oh, I close it down. Well, you can see somebody in the background. Mm, okay. okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be going back to look at that. You genuinely can. You've cracked That's open a good, the whole thing yeah. for me now. That's mm-hmm. a good twist. And so Donnie decides the worst punishment for these two is actually to just leave them with each other, just by themselves. Fair. Um, and he goes, starts off a new life with a fair amount of money, catches up with a long-lost brother. And, um, yeah, that's it. Happy ever after. So he had, he's the one who ends up with the million dollars? Yes. Mm. Oh, I like it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good. So like I say, Donnie comes out on top. And that was the Big Lebowski. Donnie didn't die at the end. I feel like your title could use a bit of workshopping. <laughs> but I like the what? idea. I like the idea. I do like the idea that Donnie gets away with all the money. That's yeah. Good, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other word. Well, I mean, there was that film of like... Uh, there was a film that was just like, John dies at the end. Wasn't there a film called that? Yes, but I don't think that's like... 
was kind of I was kind of going with this of just like okay, well that's excitement right there. Like oh, this is Donnie's story, and like yeah. there's there's something else going on there. Yeah. You could have called it or like the Donnie's life, game, or the life and death Donnie. of Donnie. And then it's the irony that there wasn't actually a death. The talented Mr. Donny. Yeah, the talented Mr. Donny. But then it's like I'm going to do the talented Mr. Ripley, and that's not what this was, mm. so... Hey, if that's your story, that's your story. That's my story. Cool. I like how detailed it, it is good. and how mm. mildly convoluted it is, in a sense, because that's what the, the actual... That's what the Big Lebowski is <laughs> like, so yours is more true to the Big Lebowski's than either of us, I found. <laughs> oh, great. Definitely. <laughs> Happy accident. <laughs> I like it though. I would see that film. Cool. I'd love Should to see Steve Buscemi yeah. going around murdering people and then just changing his mind and it being in a Big Lebowski uh, film. I'd definitely see that. Yeah, uh, Steve Buscemi murdering people would be just this great fun to watch. Are there any films? He must have played a serial killer. I was going to say he's got very crazy eyes. Anyway, uh, should we get some listener submissions? Better yeah. add. Cool. Okay. So Harry, your drinking game this week is. <laughs> Well, it's for plays on the title, once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe specifically plays on the title in terms of growth, or plays on the word big, the big, I don't know. Okay, size. Size, size-related, yeah, plays on the title. Okay, so Jacob Ben said, The Bigger Lebowski. It's exactly the same, but Jeff Bridges has gained a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Phil Catterell said, The Best Lebowski. 16 Jeff Bridges compete in a tournament to see who was the best at not giving a shit. <laughs> I'd love that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. Christopher Brown, said, quite similar to all of our ideas, really, said uh, Donnie's Element, mm. a prequel explaining Donnie's determination to learn the periodic table and the moment he just completely loses it. Because <laughs> it's like, you're out of your element. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, he's, li- yeah. he's literally out of his element. Yeah. Bit of a pun there. Yeah. For a pun. Stuart Jip says, The Big Lebowski-ing. The gang go skiing or some shit. <laughs> Look, I've not seen it, okay? <laughs> okay, yeah. Is that a holiday special? I do actually genuinely like that idea. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Nikki Booski said, uh, The Lady Lebowski, remake The Big Lebowski with women. Honestly, just because I want to make men cry. So so who would Julia Moore be? Would she be... She'd be a man, I guess. James Corden. Oh, that make me. I cry. called it. I called it. Yeah, that, that would, would make me. Cry. That would not be great. Yeah. Would you have to? Would you make it everyone the opposite then? Would you make like the dude like a really sexy, well together woman? You'd have the dude as Julianne Moore. Maybe. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that'd be almost quite a good little side thing. Is just work out films and just have uh, swap the genders over in films. Maybe that's a podcast idea for whoever wants to make the next movie podcast. That being said, we've forgotten to do the friends game. We forgot game. to play the friends game. Oh, this new feature you've we'll, 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 we'll have to do. We'll ed- edit this into the right point, John. Okay, sure. If you can, or or not, it's up to you. Okay. I don't mind. Okay, Mike, help us out. Which friends cast would you cast as uh, the characters so, in this? If you okay. if you remade this film with the cast of Friends, who would play what role? Uh, let me think. I think Joey would have to be the dude. Absolutely, hundred percent. Absolutely. I'm trying to think because Ross does lose his mind quite a bit and I think he'd be quite good as uh, Walter. But Chandler's Jerry's best friend. Yeah. And Chandler can also get quite, you know, high-pitched yeah, I think, at times. Yeah, I think Chandler mm. does do quite... He does get... Hmm, they both do quite well, but yeah, I think probably yeah, Chandler maybe. I can't see anybody saying, shut the fuck up, Ross. I, I actually think Donnie should be Gunther. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yes. Shut the fuck yes. up, Gunther, yeah. And so, then, and so then Ross needs to be Walter. Mm. Julia Moore's character, Maud, I think that'd have to be Jennifer Aniston, wouldn't it? That's Absolutely, yes. Yeah, easily. Given. What about Philip Seymour Hoffman? Is that Chandler? Or is that Ross? I, I could see Chandler doing that, to be fair. Yeah. I, I, could, I could see uh, Matt Perry doing that uh, doing that role quite well. Yeah, okay. Now, as we've already covered, there's only actually one woman in this, so we're going to... We're, well, we're, we're forced to Oh, sorry, there's Bunny. Would, I'd, Phoebe's I think Bunny. Phoebe, probably. Phoebe's definitely yeah. Bunny. 
I feel like that's a waste yeah. of Lisa Kudrow's comedic talents. It's a waste of anybody's comedic talents. There's nothing to that, that character. Well, that's that's why Tara Reid plays the character. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I think I'd quite like Phoebe as one of the German nihilists. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She, she likes a good accent. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be a good... Or, or who's going to play the stranger? The Sam Elliott role? Paul Rudd? Yes. Yes, Paul Rudd with the yeah. long moustache Yeah, that works. Well. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. um, with um, I was going to say though the Courtney Cox uh, moniker, she's quite erratic and a bit off, you know. So she could be she could be the German nihilist. She could be a nihilist, yeah. To be uh, fair, they both be good at that. Is there another female character who could be Tara Reid or Bunny? Janice. Janice. Mm, yeah, I'd like it because the, there's a, Bunny has two scenes. I can't really imagine any of the female friends cast doing the. I'll suck your cock for a thousand dollars. That's just not how friends characters speak. But there's a scene later on where where Bunny drives past the ball and she's just singing "Viva Las yeah. Vegas." I can definitely imagine Janice being like "Viva <laughs> Las Vegas." Yep. Yeah, that's good. Let's go. I like that one. But we do need to now give Phoebe and Mo- and uh, Monica something else. Well, it could be just the thugs. Some, or, some of the or thugs. how about Monica? She has a really short haircut and she plays um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Spin it round. I can make see it, it crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that 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 frees up Chandler. Mm, that's the problem. That w- so we've got Chandler and Phoebe still. Oh God, the problem is is well there's th- there's Jesus. Who's Jesus? A- Phoebe. I think Phoebe would have to be. I think you may have to yeah swap the gender. Just have uh, Jesus as like. I think Lisa Kudrow could do a very good Jesus impression or Jesus. Or- oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'd like to see her doing the dance. Yeah. I, I I think that that she should be playing it as a male character still. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. absolutely. So we've still got Chandler yeah. then. Is Chandler the Big Lebowski? Oh yeah, we need to find the Big Lebowski. That's, it's, it's Chandler. It, 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 it's fat Chandler. Especially Chandler when he's well, in a bad I mean, mood. I mean, wow. It? It's Chandler when he's really grumpy. Yeah. What, what? His weight's all over the place. No, I know. Am I wrong? Like, no, but I'm not like, wrong. At no point does he look 80. <laughs> <laughs> but sure, fine. I can see it. It is a very high-pitched character, so I can see that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Have we covered it then? I think we've covered it. Just Okay. <laughs> Well, that was a, a nice little interlude. We need to be better with that. Yeah, we need to be more consistent. <laughs> we'll, we'll work it out. We'll work on that. It's, it's a new feature. Yeah, It's working out well. Uh, so where were we? Uh, so yeah, that was Nikki Buski's idea, the Lady Lebowski. Uh, Joe Patrick says, Big Lebowski, as in B-I-G Lebowski. Mm. The dude makes a wish at a Zoltar machine, wakes up as a kid, and joins the little Lebowski Urban Achievers. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's good. That's actually really good. Yeah. So yeah, he like, obviously the plot is the movie Big with Tom Hanks. Yep. He wishes to be a child. And then he joins the little Lebowski team, so it all ties together. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be good. On a similar note, Randall Cooper said, Honey, I shrunk the Lebowski. <laughs> I'm guessing that's another size joke. Maybe. Yeah. Ian Esmer, Ian Emza, sorry, did his uh, classic weekly response, which is, Too big, too Lebowski. <laughs> Solid, yeah. Yeah. Mike Carey said, Big, too Bowski. Uh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a good one. Mm-hmm. Now over to Twitter. We watch anything. Again, their idea is called Little Lebowski. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. Little Lebowski Urban Achiever. The dude and Maud's child is a Philadelphia-based financier who never knew who his real father was. He tolerates his mother's, aka Julianne Moore's, artistic leanings, but is disapproving. He pays a firm of investigators to discover his patronage, and upon discovering that his father is living in the same apartment complex in LA, he goes to meet him. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's quite disappointed. But upon finding out that his dad is going to Philadelphia to attend Walter's funeral, oh man, don't kill Walter, he comes along for the journey and bonding ensues. So I guess, short version, it's a road trip between the dude and the dude's son to bury Walter. Yeah, 
No, yeah. that makes sense. That, yeah, would, sense. that would be an understandable sequel. I don't think it would be necessarily the best sequel, but I could very easily see it getting made. Yeah, it mm. works, yeah. Uh, Cinema Recall, at Cinema underscore Recall, said, This isn't a sequel. I just want to see the full log jamming flick that the dude watches. I want to know if he helps those two girls to fix the cable. So that's the porn movie that uh, uh, yeah, yeah. that Bunny is in. Yeah, the story is ludicrous. <laughs> it's very good, very good. Yeah, uh, the Contrarians at Contrarian Prime, haunted by Donnie's death, Walter's behaviour has become more erratic than ever. When his dead body is discovered next to a suicide note, people stop killing off John Goodman. <laughs> we love him. Um, I didn't kill off John Goodman. Thank you, Harry. When his dead body is discovered next to a suicide note. The dude Did you just say suicide? Suicide. A suicide <laughs> note. The dude gets back into the detective game to find out if this suicide is actually the latest ploy from Jesus to eliminate the competition. Mm. So it's a hard-boiled noir detective. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Blokebusters, at Blokebusters, said, I honestly don't have a good idea for a sequel this time. However, I do know that it would involve the dude's kid grown up and he's basically Donny reincarnated. And the Walter has become a cool uncle figure. Also, maybe they saved the bowling alley from possible closure. So that kind of works. That could be like a straight-to-Netflix movie. Yeah, I can see that happening. And finally, Easy Rider Raging Podcast, at ERR Podcast, would like to see a film about Jeff when he was a roadie for Metallica. Uh, The dude, sorry, when he was a roadie for Metallica. Mm Because it's that throwaway line about how Metallica were real assholes. So a film where he has to save the band from a crazed superfan who is recently divorced Walter Sobchak so maybe that's how they meet maybe that's how Walter and the dude meet mm-hmm. is that Walter is a crazed Metallica super fan mm. and the dude is working security for Metallica has to kick him out mm. and they become pals this earns the dude his nickname and begins his friendship with Walter they're calling it and justice for Jeff I like it yeah, yeah that's, that's good. good I like yeah. that one cool so those are our sequels for um, The Big Lebowski if you have any sequel ideas for The Big Lebowski or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, Google Podcasts, any place you can find a podcast. We are on it. If we're not, let us know and we will try to get on it. You can also support us on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash beyondtheboxset and we have merchandise at TeePublic. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just search Beyond the Box Set or at Beyond the Box Set for Twitter. And next week... I've been enjoying how uh, this week you've been... I feel like you've been talking a bit differently. You've been, so? you've been a little bit quiet. You've been... As though you're monitoring your, monitoring your own voice as it's coming out. Because for the first time in a very long time, you can hear your voice as you're talking. That may be a factor. Yeah. I Listeners, John actually has earphones in. They're plugged into my computer, so John can hear what's coming through I'm the microphones as well. I'm hearing the full well. for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. It's been great to observe. Yeah. So... I thought it was just impressing me, yeah. but fine. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so next week, Harry, do we have ne- another guest? Next week we have another guest on. It's going to be a fantastic episode, or I should say another fantastic episode. Two in a row, let's say. Just the two? <laughs> what happened before this one? Uh, Burlesque. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good too. A baby, a new life came into the world. Oh, yeah. Thought of. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot, but that, that, that was behind the scenes. Sure, yeah. So, just our, a guest on our last episode, basically, between the recording of our last episode and now, has become a father. So. Ollie, if, if you wonder, not Louise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, congratulations. <laughs> yes. 
Anyway, so so yeah, yeah, next week is going to be a great episode. Um, we have uh, a guest on who also works at a pub that I work at, um, Lauren. Mm-hmm. Um, she is going to be doing Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire, our first Robin Williams, isn't mm-hmm. it? I think it is actually. Yeah, which, he was, uh, he's briefly in AI, but not as a major role. So was he? I remember that he plays the computer. Ask Doctor No, you'll... Oh, yes, yeah, he did, did a voice in there. Yeah. But yeah, Mr. Doubtfire has been on my list for quite a while. I've same, been, same, same. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to doing it. And then, especially with a guest, like someone who's... It, it, it's their passionate film, so like, that's that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, so tune in next week for Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, thank you very much for attending this episode. No worries at all. Thank you for having me, guys. Would you like to just one more time plug your podcast? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my podcast is a genuine chit-chat. It's wide range of topics. I have a different guest on every episode, um, varying from I've had scientists and paleontologists on, uh, photographers, uh, a variety of different people, musicians. We talk about movies, science, uh, political issues, everything really. So, you know, if you fancy podcasts, just check on from my episode catalogue. I'm available on all the usual things. I'm sure there'll be at least one or two episodes that pique your interest. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll like it and subscribe. Yeah. Can I ask, how do you categorise that on iTunes? Because we're as like a, a film and TV podcast. You, you, you sound like you've got a oh. lot of different options there. What do you do? Um, <laughs> it depends where I go. I think it's under society and culture. Um, yeah. I think that's what I've kind of put it under. It, it's a hard one because it's like whenever there's a couple of Facebook groups we're in and every week they do, what genre are you in? You know, upload movie podcast to this one or this. Mm. And mine's in a different one every week relatively because <laughs> I, 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 that's the kind of the beauty and the crux of my podcast is it's quite hard to kind of uh, to promote in a certain way because it's nothing as specific and niche. It's not like, do you like movie podcasts? Like Beyond the Box Set? Or it's it's just like, if you like hearing people you don't know talk about things, you can check it out. So, mm. yeah. Oh, well, great. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say to that. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really add to that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, well, it's been great to have you on. And, um, yeah, well, hopefully it will. Actually, it'd be nice if I could come on your show. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you two, either of you are more than welcome. I'm more than happy to have you on here. We can talk about how you sort of got into the podcast realm and talk about loads of other things. I'm more than happy to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll work something out. Definitely. Yeah, perfect. Cool. cool. Absolutely mm. wonderful. Yes, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on, guys. Thank you. Cheers, Mike. So, yeah, join us next week for Mrs. Doubtfire. I mm-hmm. forgot if you remember it there, but I pulled Lily. it back. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Harry? Fuck it. Let's go bowling. You know, I, it's for the end. It's it's for a wrap-up. We're not actually going to go bowling. <laughs> just, just say yes. Just like, let's do it. Yeah. You should go bowling. You should yeah, go bowling, should. take a photo of it. We will soon go bowling. We're prob- It's half time. We're probably not going to go bowling right now. But yeah. at some point, we will go bowling. I don't want to go bowling. What have you got against bowling? Such a buzzkill. I know, it's right? It's a bit boring. I'm going to do the bit again. You know what, Harry? Fuck it. Let's go bowling. Yeah. I give up. I give up. Good night, listeners. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. See ya.